You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors. We are a PR firm that specializes in music technology. I'm also the founder of the Music Tectonics Conference, which takes place October 27th and 28th, 2020 in Los Angeles. That'll be our second annual conference, hoping that we are at the right time for humans to get back together, for innovators to come together to talk about where we should go in the music space. And we are doing a, a kind of a flash mini series on the Music Tectonics podcast addressing a lot of the issues that are not just coming up for self isolation and remote work in the music space, but also the opportunities and some interesting things going on. And we've talked to a couple of folks on recent episodes about live streaming music performances, and we're going to continue that with today's conversation. Today, I've got with me. Uh, the founder of Side Door, Laura Simpson. How are you doing, Laura? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So I think that the best thing to do here is to jump right in and uh, have you explain what is Side Door. Sure. Side Door is a platform that basically matches artists who are looking to perform a show with a host who has a space uh, to create that show. And we basically created a really simple booking process and ticketing process so that anybody can basically create a show uh, in their space and we can carry them through the booking process, ticket the show, and also pay everyone out uh, automatically online. So basically, if you want to bring your your favorite local artist into your community space to do a show and you can promote the show, we can help you do that. Awesome. Uh, we'll get into a little bit of the flow of what that means, what that looks like for both hosts and performers. But for, first, why don't you tell us uh, why you started it? Well, I worked with uh, artists for a really long time, most recently as a funding program officer uh, in Canada. There's a lot of funding available for artists, fortunately. And I was intimately involved in navigating the difficulties for touring artists, especially in exporting their music in different markets uh, in Europe and in North America. And one of the things that was always a challenge was to book shows. And it was becoming increasingly the only way to earn revenue, especially for emerging and mid-level artists because recordings weren't generating any revenue anymore. So it was apparent to me that uh, when I was doing something on the side, which was hosting shows at my own house, uh, it was incredibly low overhead and high return on investment for the artist, but also return on experience uh, for the audience. Uh, those shows were really intimate and it was really my favorite thing to do was put these shows on on the side. And so I wanted to combine those two things, the, the difficulty of finding good uh, shows and the ability for the audience to experience something like that so intimate and interactive with the artist. And it's not like we invented house concerts, but um, when I hooked up with uh, my co-founder, Dan Mangan, who's an artist here in Canada, he had faced a similar problem as, as an artist, of course. And he had started his career doing house concerts and building his audience that way. And to us, it wasn't a matter of 
we were able to do that because we had access, we thought we could create a technical solution in order to connect people and guide them through the process so that anybody could do it. And so that was the platform that we built with SideDoor. Let's talk about that. I mean, this is so cool because, you know, we talk a lot about the monetization of music and so forth. And I love that you started from at least halfway from the experience, the community building experience, as well as thinking about how to how to fill the gaps on on the, the revenue side of things. But how does Side Door work for hosts? Let's say I've got a barn where I host weddings or something like that, and I want to start doing concerts. What is my uh, experience coming onto Side Door? So we're really looking for people rather than places first and foremost, because what we found is that we're connecting people to create relationships. And so sometimes people say, oh, my space isn't good enough. But really, if the host is the one who's really uh, energetic and willing to put some effort into the show, that's what makes the show great. So we were triaging hosts as they were entering based on some questions of what they were looking to do, basically saying, you know, are you willing to um, help promote the show? And um, are you responsible for the space that you're going to put up for the show? And if they got cleared through that, and sometimes they had some questions, and we have a great community support, community support uh, team that helps them through that, um, they could basically get on there and uh, list their show, their space for any artists who are looking for a space. And so they could interact with the artist. And not only are they saying what kind of space they have, they're saying what they want. So maybe people just want acoustic performances. Maybe they only want certain kinds of genres. Um, you know, So they really can be specific about what kind of performance they're looking for. I'm curious what their uh, experience is in terms of selecting performers. Are they getting submissions through the site? Are they uh, then getting emails and then they just pick? How does that part of it work? So we have sort of a two-tier system right now. One is that artists can go in and um, so there's there's sort of like a passive way that hosts can receive invitations from artists. They get a weekly digest of artists that have matched with them. And so these are artists who have found these spaces on our platform and have requested with a message uh, a little bit about themselves and why they would like to play that space. Um, and they can respond or not. Um, sometimes people respond and they keep them in their connections, but maybe they can't do a show right then and there, but at least we're connecting the relationship. Um, they can also actively go and search. So we're now moving more towards a tag-based system. So both the host and the artist can start to bring in more and more information about themselves and people can search based on those tags. So you think about sort of the way that real estate sites are working these days, Airbnb is working the similar way. It's a similar uh, approach that we're taking for matchmaking. Um, and we're starting to look at more of the um, internal ways that we can push good matches together. So we have some really great intel, for instance, on you know these spaces or these areas are looking for more of this kind of music. So we'll actually start to push that kind of music or that kind of performance in those directions. So there's a lot sort of working under the hood here in order to push the best case scenarios together in order to create those great matches. 
So you've got hosts creating kind of a profile describing what their space is like, their capacity, what kind of music they're looking for, and then performers can start to submit proposals or invite to connect, that sort of thing. What else is the performer doing inside door to start to get these gigs? Sidedoor also has a schedule builder. So they basically say, you know, if they're going on tour, they, you know, a lot of artists start by saying they need fill dates. So they might have a few anchor dates um, booked here and there, but they have spaces in between. And so one of the biggest difficulties for artists is to get from A to B um, in, you know, not a 18 hour drive and hopefully stopping along the way and getting gigs along the way. So we're trying to fill those gaps um, in a lot of ways, sometimes people are doing full tours. And in order to plan that out, we have a schedule builder where they can say, this is where I'm going to be. And these are the kind of spaces I'm looking for. And as they plot that on a map, that pushes them to the top of the, the match findings for the hosts in those areas. And so these artists are saying, you know, their profiles are showing up. They're saying when they're available to play. And then the host can see right away who's passing through their town. Wow. So is there actually a, a, a visual map that they're they're kind of putting pins on that, that ranks them higher like that? That's right. Yeah. And that's sort of where our logo comes from is the idea of pins on the map, um, you know, connecting those dots together. And so, yeah, they can physically uh, map that out. In the future, we're really working towards tour building uh, through the map feature first and foremost so that they can really visualize what it's going to look like. Well, wow, this is really cool because um, we've been doing PR for artists for 20 years, literally, and the tour thing, to watch their tours unfold and to see how painful it can be to have some great anchor dates that are in, in Canada and the U.S., if we have any European listeners, man, there's big countries, there's so, a lot of territory to cover, and uh, uh, it, it's, it's really cool to think about this as filling dates. It makes me wonder, do booking agents use uh, Side Door to, to uh, fill in dates as well? Yeah, it's interesting. It's one of those things that we didn't necessarily expect because in a way we are filling uh, a gap if an artist doesn't have a booking agent. But what we found really early on is that booking agents have the same problem. They need to fill dates. And so there's when we work the split, um, basically that's part of the booking process. You figure out what the split is going to be on the show for the ticket revenue. Uh, we basically are putting it towards the artist and whether or not an artist has a band to pay or a booking agent to pay or whatever, they're dealing with that split on their own. So it really is going to apply to any artist in whatever their team situation is. But yeah, we've had a bunch of booking agents uh, not only come in and use the platform because you can have as many um, authorized users on your profile as needed. So you can have your whole team in on there. Um, but also we've had such interest from agencies that we actually have three uh, agents and agencies in as investors and advisors for our company now. Oh, that's cool. That makes total sense. And if an agent comes in, are they coming and sort of uh, cloning an artist profile? Are they are they acting as if they're the artist? Or do you have a way for an agent to have multiple artists and then let the agent kind of sort out the, the splitting with the artist of their own fees, their own uh, commission? Yeah, the artists, I mean, they, they can set up, uh, you know, the the banking info can be whatever it needs to be per artist. Um, the 
the agent can be the main administrator of all those profiles and have it all just go to one account. For example, we just did a, a project with South by Southwest where we had one agent managing six different artists. And so that's what she did. She had basically all of those profiles linked to the the booking agent's account and then she would funnel the money in that way. So it's basically according to whatever the team deems is is uh, you know okay for them. That's really cool. Who are the most common performers on Side Door to date? Are there certain genres or, or demographics or regions that have done especially well? I mean, I know you're you're in Halifax, right? You're in Nova Scotia, so I don't know if there's some regional stuff from your background or um, or you know, I know a lot of times platforms like this, you get some kind of organic growth without even knowing why or, or where originally. Yeah, I mean, we actually when we started, and yeah, we are kind of in the middle of nowhere <laughs> in terms of the touring world because you don't pass through Halifax. Um, so we actually focused right away on uh, the tour routes that were in demand for artists because our mission is really first and foremost to serve artists because our, our deep belief is that artists are undervalued and underserved and, and we're, we're in, you know, the state of mind that if you serve the artists and you support them as much as you can, they can, you know, be the best they can be and, and attract the audiences that they need to attract. So by us focusing on the needs that they had in terms of tour routes, um, that really helped us uh, develop, you know, for instance, the Ontario sort of around there. And then we sort of worked on um, in and around the East Coast of the U.S. Uh, and then when we worked with South By, we had uh, from people, people were touring from their hometowns down to Austin. So we started to carve out all these routes um, through the U.S. And uh, that's our goal is to really start, you know, finding these paths that, aren't necessarily the typical straight through the major city paths, because what we're finding, which is delightful, is that people are starting to veer off on the secondary roads into these other markets that have not been touched. And it's only because there weren't spaces there. Nobody was there putting their hand up saying, I've got a place to play. And now we have some of our greatest shows and sellouts happening in these tiny little towns because they're starved for the cultural uh, input from these touring artists. Yeah, that's that's super cool. So taking away the whole idea about the booking agents, what's the usual monetization model on side door? Um, how, what, what are the splits? So we set the split for side door as 10%, which is the typical booking agent commission. Uh, off the gross, the ticket gross, we're actually paying uh, Stripe in order to use their Stripe Connect uh, program that basically is, you know, like having a PayPal account, it's the same thing. You have an account with Stripe via side door and your bank account is hooked up. And so that your split is actually held in escrow until the show happens and then deposited directly into your account. So side door takes 10% after the Stripe fees are taken out. Uh, and then the artist and the host actually can negotiate what they would like to split the remaining 90% to be. And we don't allow the host to actually go above 40% so that the artist can always earn at least 50%. And typically, because of the kinds of spaces that we have, uh, the host is either taking nothing or around 10%. So that's a pretty nice, uh, a pretty nice deal on the artist side compared to percentages in traditional concert marketplaces. Yeah, I would say the average take home for the artist with us um, pre isolation times uh, was around uh, four hundred to five hundred dollars. 
Oh, that's cool. And are these typically solo, duo, trio, or does it get into full bands? We have mainly, you know, stripped down versions of whatever band uh, you can imagine of, but uh, it's been... So it's like singer songwriters, but we've had a lot of indie rock. We've had we've we did a huge push on hip hop because uh, we know that it's a super underserved market for finding venues for hip hop. Um, in fact, uh, one of the hip hop artists that we had playing at our shows in Ontario ended up going on to win the Polaris Prize in Canada later that year. So we were really That's awesome. happy to be working with some super high quality artists. Yeah. And uh, like DJs were in demand. And so we did a call out for DJs and they, we had a pile of DJs come on. Um, and then we also have been really focusing on, um, you know, like more niche uh, art, like music that maybe can't be discovered in every case, but it's sort of like, um, I had like immigrant association, uh, folks call me up and say, Hey, we we're looking to help these immigrants who are just freshly moved to Canada, you know, settle in and finding cultural, um, you know, things to do that, that reminds them of home is really helpful for them to settle in. So we were matching, mm, you know, immigrants cool. with, you know, music from home. Yeah. So there's some real oppor- opportunity, even with some of the more niche kinds of art that's coming out. So let's talk a little bit more about some, some, some numbers around traction pre COVID-19 pre isolation. Um, do you have any, any metrics about your success before the, the world became a crisis here? Just curious how this model is doing. Yeah, we had, uh, well, we still have um, about 2,300 artists signed up um, and about 750 spaces all over North America, mainly some in Europe as well. We haven't really activated our European touring circuits yet. They're they're more in sort of the wait and see (laughs) mode, Uh, but we do have a representative working over there in Amsterdam, actually. Um, and in terms of shows, we had booked, uh, north of 700 shows. So our 1.0 launch was in Feb, end of February last year. So just, uh, beginning of March, 2019. Uh, and then, so most of our traction we've achieved since then. And then we're just releasing our 2.0 at the beginning of this year in 2020, um, tightening up some of the gaps that we had seen and trying to increase the speed in which people can get on board and start booking and finding good matches. Uh, and that has uh, resulted in some great success uh, before everything sort of went downhill. March and April were our top booking months. We had uh, upwards of 55 shows booked per month all over all over North America. So um, it was really gratifying to see the response that people were, you know, using it in the way that that worked for them, you know, shows on your own terms is sort of a tagline that we had. And, and uh, so we were really grateful that we could be responsive to the needs of the users and sort of build it the way that they needed to have it. So you said that artists could typically make anywhere from four to five hundred dollars on a show. Were there any artists? I mean, I know you've been in in business for a year, been open for a year now, and then we've got this thing we're going to talk about that's going on in the world right now. But prior to this, were there artists that were like making, you know, five figures or more uh, from side door yet? It wasn't really typically. I wouldn't say possible, but it was more because our venue sizes were between 40 and 50 cap. 
we were increasingly getting more community spaces to so more like 150 to 200 cap. So we were seeing, you know, the biggest revenues we were seeing were, you know, three, four thousand dollars for some of the bigger artists that we were signing on. But I would say that, um, you know, pre-COVID-19, getting some of the A-lister artists to sort of test out our platform without, you know, us having a whole bunch of traction on like which hosts were the best and that sort of thing was a little more difficult. We did have um, a booking manager who was working hand in hand with some of our top tier artists to specifically look for the best hosts. And so often we have this face, uh, this group of, of our hosts who um, he would often uh, just go to to say, you know, you guys are the best hosts. You've been hosting the most. We know the reviews of your ho- your houses or your spaces have been the greatest. You know, you get first pick on these great artists. So that's sort of how we were we were working it. Um, but yeah, things have been changing. It's been interesting now that everybody's stuck at home. <laughs> yeah, I was I was actually curious not about per show, but across multiple shows, if artists were starting to to make this a significant part of their income. So pre-COVID, I mean, it's like touring revenue is definitely one of the major ways of earning cash for most artists. It's just, you know, earning from publishing deals or, uh, you know, sync licensing and that sort of thing is still such a small percentage of artists who can capitalize on that. Um, Post-COVID, it is incredible to me how the last thing that artists have, which is playing live is being given away for free by donation. And I don't disagree with that. I just think that it is an inherently faulty system that is going to lead to burnout and it devalues the incredible talent that these artists have. Um, And that's why we actually moved in the direction of gating and ticketing these uh, live performances. So let's talk about this for a minute. So, so let's just start fresh. What, what has happened since the self-isolations have kicked in in terms of what you're doing at Side Door? Yeah. Um, so we, like I said, had a partnership with South by Southwest and that resulted as soon as that cancellation happened on that, you know, unforgiving Friday the 13th when everything went downhill um, for everybody. Um, South by canceled. We ended up canceling, I think, 23 shows that within two hours of that cancellation um and then a further you know 75 percent of our shows basically for march were wiped out and then everything for the spring and into the summer so dozens and dozens and dozens of shows you know my co-founder dan who is a touring artist himself he tours all over the world he canceled he had sold out shows all over Canada, um, into the U.S., and he canceled all of his spring dates into the summer festivals. Probably lost more than a hundred thousand dollars of bookings, and it was, you know, we were devastated. It was like a week of fetal position, to be honest, and uh, just trying to sort out our lives. We both have young kids, and just trying to figure out what we're doing with our families and that sort of thing. And then literally a week after that cancellation, you know, rush was uh, Dan came out and did a live uh, show that we gated through side door, um, sold tickets to for six bucks. And he decided to call it weekly side door. And he got on and we had sold 200 tickets to the first one. 
And he's like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this every week. We're going to give all the, the funds to charity every week. And we're going to do this until we're allowed to see each other again. <laughs> and so the first, the first one was kind of hilarious because we're still figuring out the technology, you know, we're using Zoom as, you know, our means to do the live stream, but, you know, we're working at the ways to make that better. And um, by the end of it, the community that was watching had all, all had their videos on. So you could go through this gallery, page after page of people with their videos on, watching with their kids, uh, watching with their, you know, their spouses, singing along, holding hands. Maybe they're folding laundry, they were cooking. And something really amazing happened to me, especially um, where I was like, oh, there is absolutely a way you, you can connect over this medium. It doesn't have to be this broadcast into the ether sort of thing. These people are showing up. They're staying for the entire time. They've made it an event in their schedule. They are participating. They are sharing things with each other. They they were so into sharing things with each other that they asked us to create a, a separate group to continue the chat. So we created a, a channel for they could they could chat between shows. Uh, people joined, you know, in the hundreds after that. The next week, we did another one. Six hundred and seventy-seven tickets sold. Uh, again, uh, and this, this is, so we started, we were like, we have something here. Started talking to Zoom. Um, Zoom is interested in helping us integrate, uh, to create a better music listening experience. We're working on, you know, the security elements of that to ensure that, you know, people are getting into an online room and they, they feel safe and there's some rules of engagement and, you know, we're sort of working on how do you create the best energy exchange in an online environment possible. And there's two things happening for the artists here, which is really important. One is they can see their audience. It's really, really important. And I think people take it for granted, but if when you can see your audience and they have their videos on and they're singing along and holding up pictures and playing along with their guitars, like everybody has their, their mics muted, right? But you can see them react to what you're doing. And part of art is giving and then receiving. The other thing is that for the for the artists is that they're not asking for money constantly throughout this show. They're concentrating on the performance. They know that those people have paid to be there. They just can deliver a really great performance. They know those people are just going to stay and listen. They're not going to passively come in and out. And so that was something that we thought, okay, let's work on that and create that for everybody. And now, as I mentioned, it was a little bit harder to get top tier artists before this. Now we have people coming out of the woodwork because they're all at home and they've got nothing to do. <laughs> so they're like, you know, of course, starting to burn out from doing the live streams. Of course, they're starting to get weary of asking for, for donations. And uh, we think we really have something of value for both the artists and the audience here. And, and our goal is to have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these shows so that the audience can actually, will shortly have an audience sign in for our platform. So the audience can go and say, what do I want to see tonight? Who do I want to, you know, be a part of their lives for, you know, this, this evening or whatever like that? What kind of genres am I into? That sort of thing. Uh, and from the artist's point of view, they get to connect directly with their audience and continue to connect directly with their audience. So our goal through this whole thing is to make relationships super, super tight so that by the time we get out of this and they can do an in-person show, it feels like a family reunion. 
That's really, really awesome. It's very cool to hear about your pivot, partly because since you had a more traditional uh, venue in-person model versus a lot of the live streaming companies have a digital model first, you're thinking about the values of the relationship a little bit differently. I mean, the other live streaming platforms are very interested in social interaction, but what you said about actually visually video seeing the audience uh visually not just seeing their chats and also that it's a ticketed event you've already got a committed audience versus people who are sort of like well you can engage with you know these kind of tips or these emojis or even subscriptions but you're deciding after the fact it's it's two different approaches and we've done a few different interviews about live streaming but this is the first one that that's really explained uh what that could be like and it's one thing we have talked about on the podcast recently is how um this forcing of self-isolation is changing what people are willing and interested to do. Once you start to cut out certain options, other th options become more valuable and more appreciated. And so it's, it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out over time on both types of platforms, especially once the isolations are lifted I'm assuming that's going to happen, guys. You know, you know, I'm an optimist here. But I have a question for you. You you mentioned that Dan did a concert. Then he did. A, then you mentioned the second concert. Was the second concert that sold 677 tickets Dan? And what are you doing now? Are the are these just him, or how how are art, other artists engaging and 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 being enlisted on this stuff? Yeah. So Dan is the guinea pig uh, as the co-founder. Um, and it's been great because uh, we get to work at the kinks and he actually has a tutorial up on our, our website now to help folks navigate the best exact settings for using Zoom in particular to create to create a good sound and a good engagement. We also have our booking manager. He does a lot of live streams anyway on the side. He has a whole thing about how you can work on your performance and all that sort of thing. So we're really working towards education in terms of the quality of the show. And so when we started doing that, and plus we, we did some slight adjustments on our ticketing and uh, some of the show booking aspects so that uh, we were basically manually hacking our own platform to allow artists to book these. And we basically replaced the hosts with um, dummy side door hosts that were in different time zones so that we could we could initiate these show bookings as much through the the initial means that we had. So within from that doomsday for, uh, Friday the 13th to approximately two weeks later, we had adjusted our platform enough that people could sign up and create a show um, with the assistance of our staff uh, within five minutes. And so what we are working towards now is that by the end of the next three-week period, um, somebody can sign up and do this all on their own in a, in a few minutes and not need um, to have a host. Now, having said that, um, yeah, fake hosts. So now having said that, we are still encouraging the hosts who are kind of sitting on their hands right now um, to act as curators and promoters still. So I myself, I'm still a host. I've been hosting for uh, 11, 11 years now. And uh, so what I've been doing is going in and grabbing artists that I love, and I've been looking for different ways to engage them rather than performances. So uh, one of the artists that I, I've worked with in the past uh, wanted to do uh, a, a talk and a Q&A on Transgender Day of Visibility on March 31st. And so we did that. And, you know, that was something that was 
probably not going to happen in person because the audience that we got could show up or, you know, and keep their video off if they wanted, but listen privately to something that was extremely important to them. And this artist could show a completely different side of them and be very vulnerable with them um, in a way that they couldn't necessarily do in person that was comfortable for them. So I've been working on some of those kinds of engagements between hosts and artists so that we can offer some really outside the box engagements. Um, so now we have artists signing up to do all sorts of things. We have um, in the works, a drummer from a really great band going to do a drum workshop. Um, we have uh, a quite famous actor who I can't mention yet because it's not confirmed, but uh, about to be confirmed doing uh, readings, like doing sort of like different um, play readings and that sort of thing. So we have uh, artists who I am diehard fans of writing into our support channel asking to do shows. And I'm sort of in this position of like, oh my God, it's really happening. Uh, people are responding to what we're doing. Um, and it's meaningful and it's needed. And so right now we're just all hands on deck trying to make these experiences really great. That is so cool, Laura. Um, congratulations on being able to pivot so quickly. We're seeing a lot of amazing stuff happening in the music tech space right now where either a, a company that has a model that is relevant to remote uh, work is uh, or, or live streaming is all of a sudden seeing a renaissance or they were ahead of the market and now the market's catching up out of necessity or like you have another type of in real life type model and are coming up with what does it mean when concerts switch to having to be done remotely so uh it's really cool to see how that's evolving sometimes you know i'm it makes me hopeful because sometimes it's those those moments in time of crisis or or significant challenges where it challenges your assumptions and then as a result you get to try something new it becomes a bit of a laboratory and those laboratories build great opportunities for innovation so if somebody wants to try to uh, host a concert, a ticketed concert uh, via side door and the Zoom connection, what should they do now? So you can basically just go and you can either just write to us directly and we'll get you started, or you can just sign up and create an artist profile. And uh, there is now an option where you can select an online show and it will just guide you through that process in creating an online show. We're not completely shutting out the other ways of uh, live streaming. There's, we're going to make it available to ticket your show uh, through other platforms. Um, we're basically still in the experiment phase, as you mentioned, the MVP phase of this new uh, adaptation. And so we really want to basically work as much as possible with the artist directly to ensure that they're going to create an experience that's really great from their side, but also from the audience side as well. Um, so you can, if you have an idea or you have, if you want to start experimenting with the idea of, you know, in some cases, people are just putting up an RSVP in order to get it into somebody's calendar. It's a reminder. It's another way of advertising their live uh, stream. So it's, it's, you know, we become an aggregate of all the live streams available. Um, but also if you want to try the ticketed show, that's what we're really pushing for right now is to really test your audience a little bit. You know, this is the Wild West right now. Just like see what value you can bring to an audience that's going to be dedicated to be there. And I and I 
you know, I promise you it will feel a little scary at first, but the return on that engagement is so great right now. It's uh, honestly, the, it's like you said, it's the thing that's giving me hope. You know, um, this it's super awesome. I'm excited. It makes me want to be a host of live shows or, or in person or online, be a curator or something. It's it's so cool to create that opportunity for people to get involved. It reminds me, we've got a, a guy here in Bloomington, Indiana, where we're based, who built a tiny concert car. It's a tiny house that's on the back of a truck. And uh, we actually hosted a concert there in our driveway one day. And I was like, oh, wow, we could, we could book shows through Side Door for that down the road. Um, would be cool. Better yet. Yet, it's funny because you, you talked about having uh, people fill in their tour dates with uh, with Side Door. Well, the cool thing with the, the, the tiny concert uh, car is that uh, it can come to you, <laughs> which is which flips it on its head a whole other way. Anyway, this has been super fun, Laura. I, I really appreciate you coming on to the, the podcast and sharing not only what Side Door was meant to do, but what you're doing right now. And it's great to see innovators like you who are connected to a community, who are really interested in the art as well as the livelihood of all the parties involved and figure out what to do now. So thanks so much for joining us on Music Tectonics. Laura, I wish you the best of luck. Thanks, Dimitri. It was great talking to you. And thank you for listening to Music Tectonics. This was fun, finding out how another innovator is pivoting with the COVID-19 crisis. I know, I know, I'm a glass half full kind of guy, and and some of you are going to be annoyed with that, but this is what I'm trying to do, is to help everybody in the Music Tech community think about what are the possibilities right now. And so it was so great to have Laura from Side Door here. You can find them at SideDoorAccess.com. That's the website, SideDoorAccess.com. Please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app so we can keep you posted of other innovations that we're finding in the music space right now and go to musictectonics.com where you can sign up for our newsletter and get posted not only about additional podcasts but weekly Wednesday every Wednesday in April at 12 p.m. Eastern we're doing online meetups we did one on live streaming we're doing one on remote collaboration and we're looking for your ideas at hashtag Wednesday for what other topics and speakers we can bring in to kick off those meetups and if we can keep the zoom bombers away we're going to give everybody a chance to introduce themselves and shout out. Thanks. Keep listening to Music Tectonics. You're listening to Music Tectonics.